Cornerstone, how you doing? Man, just so thrilled that you're here. I hope you're excited to dive in uh, to God's word today. We've been spending the last few weeks just doing kind of a survey through the book of Revelation. And we've called the series Spoiler Alert because uh, the Bible tells us how this whole thing turns out and that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how often it looks like evil is winning, no, no matter how dark the detour that the world seems to take, Scripture comes back and says, you're okay because, spoiler alert, you and I who have put our faith in Jesus Christ win in the end. So stop worrying about the scoreboard and just worry about the one who told you we win. And I'm just going to say this to you. If you read the book of Revelation and it scares you, you're reading it wrong because in the end, you and I win. So we're going to go back and we're going to go through uh, again today tackling uh, what this incredible book of the Bible tells us. But there's the possibility some of us are in the room who haven't been with us in the room the whole time. So let me see if I can catch us up uh, to where we've been. So we talked about this idea that for an awful lot of human history, God worked through the nation of Israel. Here was the thought. The thought was that the other nations would see God's goodness to Israel. They'd see that as Israel followed God, obeyed his commands, that they were so wildly blessed that the other nations would look and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe the God of Israel is better than our gods, better than the gods of stone and wood. And maybe we ought to go investigate this God because maybe that God needs to be our God. Here's the problem. Israel wasn't faithful. And so that testimony never went out. The other nations didn't look and say, wow, look at the difference, because Israel spent most of their time living like the other nations. Uh, God shifted uh, this conversation uh, at a place called the cross. Uh, Jesus came to earth, died on the cross for our sins, and started a new conversation. That new conversation was called the church. And the idea was that you and I, who are the church, Christians would live in such a remarkable way that our coworkers, uh, that our family members, that our neighbors down the street would see Jesus on us and say, there is something so remarkably different. There's something so powerful about their lives. Their families are wildly better than our families. And, and they would, in curiosity, say, I need to know that God that they serve. That's the commission for you and I who are followers of Jesus, to be the church, to be the light in this world. But you realize this conversation is not gonna go on for forever. This isn't gonna always be the way. And matter of fact, we talked about a moment which you and I don't know exactly when it's gonna happen. It could happen anytime. It could happen a long time from now. But this moment is called the rapture. It's a moment when Jesus comes down, the Bible says, meets us in the clouds, and then calls out of this world the church, calls out of this world everybody who in that moment 
is a Christian who believes on Jesus Christ as their savior. They are raptured out of this world. And the word rapture is actually just a Latin word which means caught away. So all Christians in that moment are caught away out of this world. Immediately after the rapture starts a period of time called the tribulation. It's seven years. It's seven years of God saying, hey, look, uh, I'm just gonna do whatever I have to do to get your attention. For lack of a better term, it, it's a spanking. It's God just saying, hey, look, I, I've been grace-filled till now. I've, I've been patient till now. But the reality is time is not gonna go on forever. There's, a, there's an ending moment coming and we're getting too close and I have got to get you to change your mind. The reality is every person in here who's been a parent understands this moment. A moment which you say, look, I've, I've been patient with you. I've been long suffering. I gotta get your attention. Uh, you may not have a cell phone for a while. I'm gonna get your attention. And one of the things we talked about was this idea that God's first foot forward is always a foot of kindness and grace, a foot of patience. That, that most often in our lives, we don't get what we deserve. See, most often we go, oh, okay, so, so what I did, I mean, if God was just actually gonna pay me back for, man, he, he ought to be beating the hoopers out of me right now. And yet God's first foot forward is a foot of patience and kindness. Here's the hope. The hope is, is that as he's patient and kind, that you and I would pause and reconsider our actions. That we would say, man, I, I know what I deserve. God's been good and hasn't done that, but it doesn't change the plan that, that I really ought to go repent. I, I really ought to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. But what we forget and what people so often don't talk about is you realize God's got another foot. And that foot is a foot of discipline. That foot is a foot of justice. And if you and I wear out the foot of patience, then you and I should not be shocked when God says, hey, I mean, I tried that and you didn't respond. And so I'll just do whatever I have to do right now to help you out, to get your attention, to change your mind. That's the tribulation. God is gonna have a conversation with all those who are still left on the earth who up until then have rejected him and say, look, I'm just gonna give the world's biggest banking right now and see if I can change your heart. Here's an interesting question. While God's doing that, while the tribulation is going on on earth, what are you and I doing in heaven? You ever wondered what heaven was gonna be like and, and what was gonna happen? And we still don't know all the pieces, but the Bible is really clear about what's gonna happen in heaven with Christians during those seven years. And there's actually three really significant events. You and I are gonna unpack those together today. And here's what we're gonna discover. How I live on earth is a big deal in heaven. Let me say that again. The choices I make, the way I decide to live here actually matters a whole lot in heaven. So here we go. Let's unpack those things, those three things that are gonna happen when you and I are in heaven during the tribulation. So event number one is a thing called the Bema Seat. So grab your Bibles 
and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I mean, chapter 3, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, you start working to the left, you're going to find 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Bema seat, which is the very first thing that's going to occur when we all uh, get to heaven after the rapture. Bema is simply a Greek word that means judgment. And I think so often as Christians, we have this idea that says, well, you know, this being a Christian thing is either pass or fail. You know, you either accept Jesus or you don't accept Jesus. Nothing else after that really matters, right? And scripture says no. How I live on this earth really, really matters uh, when I get to heaven. Because God is gonna then take all of us who've named the name of Jesus and he's gonna review our lives. He's gonna take a look at how we chose to live once we became a Christian. And that judgment that all of us who are Christians will go through is reviewed in 1 Corinthians chapter three. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter three, uh, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, let's just be honest. You can lay other foundations than Jesus. So you, you could lay the foundation of your life on popularity and say, that's just the thing I'm gonna live my life for. You can say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay the foundation of success or I, I, I'm gonna lay the foundation of making tons and tons of money, whatever that is. You could even make your children the foundation of your life. And what scripture is simply saying here is, if you choose any foundation for your life that isn't Jesus, it's not a legitimate foundation. It's not a worth foundation for your life. No one can lay in you the foundation than this, and that is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation, talking about Jesus, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Okay, so it simply says this, every single one of us is gonna stand before Christ on that day and everything we've done for God since then is going to be examined. It's going to be checked out to see was it real? Was it legitimate? Did it matter that I did that thing? And it says some of it's going to burn up and some of it's going to stand the test and it's going to be, end up being reward for you and me. Now here's the thing you need to notice. In that passage there is no mention of sin. It's not even there. And the reason it's not there is that because if you as a Christian have pushed your faith in Jesus Christ, then everything that you and I have ever done that was disappointing to God, that was wrong in our life, was taken and placed on the cross with Jesus when he died. And it's done. Matter of fact, there's an absolutely amazing passage in scripture which simply says this, for I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Which, guys, I'm just telling you that every one of us who's a Christian ought to be absolutely thrilled out of our mind 
that when we get to heaven and we stand in this judgment, God's not going to go, hey, can we talk about last Saturday night? Can, can we talk about your dating life? Because scripture says he's going to take all those things, put them under the blood of Jesus, and he will remember them no more. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's a part of this that bothers me a little bit. Let me tell you why it bothers me. Because I have had some Christians do some really cruddy things to me. And I was kind of hoping that when we got to heaven, Jesus would say, hey, remember what you did to Lynn? Let's talk about that. And yet scripture says, no. We get to heaven, God's not even, it's not even part of the conversation. And I get really, really frustrated about that until I remember, you know what? There's some stuff in my life that I'd hate for God to show in heaven. And I go, I'm okay. I'm okay, God, if you forgave those people for those things they said about me. I'm okay if you forgave them for how they treated me and that you're, you're never gonna bring it up because you're not gonna bring up my stuff either, okay? Super, super powerful. But yet, the Bible goes on then to say, but there really is an examination, right? There is a judgment, and it describes the judgment. And it says, first off, everything's gonna be put in two piles. There's gonna be one pile that's gonna be wood, hay, and stubble. And when that pile gets tossed in the fire, it's gonna burn up because that's what wood, hay, and stubble do. It says there's another pile that's gonna be gold, silver, and precious stone. When it gets thrown in the fire, it's actually gonna come out the other side. Interesting thing, you take gold, you take silver, you melt it down, you actually, that's how you take the impurities out and it actually becomes more valuable. And it says those things that were done, when they become gold, silver, and precious stone will then be turned into reward. Because, you ready for this? Because how I live this life on earth actually matters a whole bunch in heaven. Now, here's one of the mistakes I think we make is that we think, okay, so wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble may, must be kind of, you know, the time I wasted or things that I did that, you know, whatever that is, you know, maybe they didn't count as sin, but, you know, they were, they were not the wisest things to do. And so that's the wood, hay, and stubble. It's not wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble are actually good things, good things that I did in my life. Things that were fine, they weren't sinful. They may have actually been accomplishment. They may have been bigger and better. They were good things. They simply didn't matter for eternity. The fact that I did that good thing didn't matter. It didn't make Jesus more famous. It, it, it didn't cause God to go, man, that's exactly how I wanted you to live that moment. See, it's, you realize, guys, it's possible to do a lot of good things that have no eternal value. Wood, hay, stubble. Let, let me give an example. Let's say a guy has a hobby and his hobby is restoring old cars. Good thing. Matter of fact, it might even be a really good thing because it's a big stress reliever for him and so he treats other people better because he you know, can release some of his frustrations. He gets a deep sense of accomplishment so he has more confidence in his life. It's a good thing. But what if he does that good thing so much that he actually neglects something that matters? What if he neglects his family doing the good thing? See, he did a good thing, but never got around to what mattered. 
So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the what matters quiz. And I'm gonna give you an illustration. You're gonna go, okay, that, that, that's a good thing. It just doesn't matter in eternity. It, it doesn't have eternal value. Jesus wouldn't stand and applaud that I did that good thing, okay? All right, here we go. All right, so let's start out. So let's say uh, you're, you're able to go down to the uh, outlet mall and you, you buy a whole bunch of designer clothes. So you look good, okay? You're looking good. That's a good thing, right? There's nothing wrong with designer clothes. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff to wear. But does it matter? So does you having designer clothes, does you having the neatest purse of all the ladies in the church, does, does that matter or is it just a good thing? Is it wood, hay, stubble? Or is it gold, silver, precious stone? You tell me. See, all the husbands are going, boy, that's stubble. That's stubble. You don't need no Michael Kor purse. What are you talking, right? All right, all right. That one was easy for the men. All right, here's another one. Uh, you finally get that house. You've been really, really good with your finances. Uh, you've been careful with uh, your expenses. And, and you've, you've looked around and you finally got that five-bedroom house. It's got the pool in the back. It's got an amazing patio on the, on the backside of the house. You, you're able to buy that house. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Does it matter? What if I got it for 2% interest? Is that? <clears throat> I'm a young couple and we're dating. We're planning on getting married. Uh, we've seen scripture that talks about waiting to have sex till you get married. And so despite the fact that all my friends are going the other direction, we decide, we decide in order to honor Jesus, we're gonna wait. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Uh, the reason I'm being cautious and putting it over here is because I haven't seen a lot of us waiting. All right, all right, all right. Um, your kid is unbelievably talented athletically. So you enroll them in every single one of the sports clubs. You enroll them in, in, in whatever, you know, league is going on at the time. So much so, and they excel so well that they actually get a full-ride scholarship to college. Wood, hay, stubble. Gold, silver, precious stone. Good matters. Well, that's, that one got home, didn't it? Some of you are going, golly, the preacher's stepping in the wrong places now. And I, and I was, it's hard to believe now, I was an athlete. 100 years ago, but I was an athlete. Uh, you, you hear somebody up front on a Sunday say, hey, we, we really need some help. We need some help with greeters. We need, we need some help uh, ushering, teaching a class. Uh, maybe we need help changing diapers. 
uh, in the back. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. I'm trying to make this attainable, guys, because if I was making it really hard, I would have said, we need help with the junior high. We need, we need help changing diapers. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Gold, silver, precious. You know why? Because while you're changing a diaper, mom and dad may be in this room figuring out Jesus. It matters. It matters. Uh, you get a chance to uh, travel, and, and so you take full advantage of your vacation. You've been to Paris. You've been to India, seen the Taj Mahal. You've been to all 50 states. Man, you, you just, woo! Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. I gotta look, hear, hear my heart. Look, look, hear my heart. I'm not saying anything on this table is evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you and I, if we're not careful, can spend our lives chasing things that are good that ultimately don't really matter. TikTok girl. She's got a million followers. She is TikTok famous. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. You guys are all going, stubble. What are you doing spending so much time on TikTok then? I finally get to buy that amazing car, incredible car. The car, the car that I always wanted. The one you park at the backside of Home Depot so no one digs your doors. For some of us, it shouldn't be the car. Have you seen what it costs to buy a truck right now? Right? So you finally get that car. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. A couple of you guys are going, that, that is definitely gold, silver. <laughs> Have you seen my car? <clears throat> uh, you attend church. Uh, you've made the commitment in your life. You say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attend church. I want to learn about God. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Apparently, you're going to a very small church. Uh, okay. <laughs> Money. You, you're one of those people, everything you touch, everything you touch, tons and tons of, I mean, you, you just come up gold. You're, you're making money left and right. And, and you're gonna finish your life zillions of dollars in the bank. And then you're gonna do something really stupid and give it to your kids. But, but you're gonna make a lot of money. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Do you really believe that? All right. You decide to tithe. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. Some of you are going, man, that's just like burning it up, man. Give that to Jesus. <laughs> Here's what ought to be occurring to every one of us in this room. It is a lot easier to do good things, to live for good things. Guys, I'm, hear me again. I'm not saying that anything on this table is sinful. 
I'm just telling you, it's a lot easier to live my life chasing after good things and not get very much of my life doing things that matter for eternity. I just want to remind you, how I live my life on earth matters big time when I get to heaven. It just does. Okay? It then says there's a second level to this, right? So things are going to get to this table, right? They get to the, the table that matters, but it then grades those things. It says some of this is gold, some of this is silver, some of this is precious stone. And when you think precious stone, ladies, don't think diamonds, just think rubies and emeralds, okay? Gold, silver, precious stone. So uh, let's say uh, somebody gives money, but they're pretty well-to-do, and, and they give their tithe, which is a thing that matters, right? But they give it also knowing in their heart that my tithe is so substantial, people are gonna notice. The, the church is gonna be grateful for how much I gave, and so part of my motivation is to be known for what I give. Gold, silver, precious stone. What about this? I get ready to tithe and I can't figure out how I pay my bills this week. And yet I decide in that moment in absolute obedience and because I want God to know that he's more important to me than visa. And so I tithe anyways. Gold, silver, precious stone. And ready? Because how I do it, the amount of sacrifice that it took me to do it determines how great it is in the kingdom. I go to church. Remember we said that's, woo, that's good. That, you know, that, that matters. But I only go to church on the Sundays when it's convenient. Only on the Sundays the Cardinals aren't playing, right? I go, I go when it's not hard and when I'm not tired to go to church. Gold, silver, precious stone. I decide to go to church every Sunday, whether it's hard or not. And in Arizona, that includes days when it's raining because we all melt in the rain, right, Arizonans, right? So we decide, I'm gonna go, even when it's inconvenient, gold, silver, precious stone. Because, you ready for this? Because what it costs me determines the value it has in the kingdom. Which means that right now, there's some of us in this room, if you start figuring this out, I'll be thrilled to death, here's why. Because that job you got fired from, that person who treated you so evil, and in that moment, despite the fact that God wasn't answering your prayers and despite the fact that it was just absolutely painful in your life, you leaned in and said, God, I don't understand, but I choose, I choose to trust you in this moment. And that's gold, right? That's gold because what it cost me to live that moment for the glory of Jesus is what determines the value of what matters in my life. Let me tell you something that ought to just thrill your heart. You can move stuff from this table to that table. You can take some things that you've been doing that were good and leverage them for things that matter. Remember vacation? What if, ready for this? What if next week, or next year, you've got three weeks of vacation? What if you chose one of those weeks to go on a missions trip. 
See, all of a sudden that would matter. Remember that car? <laughs> what if you decided to take that ultra cool car and drive neighbor kids to church on Sunday? See, wouldn't that be worth at least $10 of your $1,000 payment? Right? I mean, it would matter for us, right? Some of, some of this would be redeemed, right? What if you opened up your house for the youth group to come on Sunday night and hang out and do Bible study? No, that would be terrifying. We won't do that. All right. <laughs> Remember TikTok girl? Even TikTok girl can be redeemed. Because think about this. What if TikTok girl in her fame chose to use her fame as a platform to tell others about Jesus? And guys, all this, you ought to just go, man, oh, all this, it ought to hit, right? Everything that's here that's good, if I were to be thoughtful about how I use it and spend, could actually be leveraged for that which matters. I guarantee you, we've got some people in the room and you're a little bit older and when you came to Jesus, you lived a whole bunch of your life on the wrong side. And now you're going, man, this really, really stinks because I wish somebody would have told me this a long time ago. Let me just encourage you with something. If you're older and you came to Jesus a little bit later, if you were to get serious about leveraging your tables, you could make so much ground. You could create so much momentum in your life. And the truth is the average Christian is so neglectful at doing this, you'd pass most of us up if you'd get serious about this. Because, you ready? Because how I live my life here matters a whole bunch there. So let me ask you this question. How you doing? How are you doing living not just for good things, but living your life for things that matter? First big event in heaven, it gets reviewed. Okay, second thing, second big event in heaven, is a thing called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Many of you probably haven't heard it before. Go with me to the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 19. Here's what it says in describing the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Here's why this is a big deal to you and me. Because guess who the bride is? The church. You and me are the bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So let me read this to you. It's Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 6. Here's what it says about this. Then I heard that uh, I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the lamb has come to his bride and has made herself ready with fine linen and bright and clean was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for, ready, the righteous acts of God's people. So we just finished reviewing our lives and according to what we had done, now we're clothed in fine linen for how we lived with what mattered. And then it goes on. And then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are true words of God. Now, let me see if I can help you with what's going on. Because this seems a little bit weird that you and I get married to Jesus. What 
God is doing is he's taking an earthly relationship, something that you and I understand to explain a relationship that's gonna happen in heaven. And all he's saying is this, and I, I don't know if there's actually a way, I don't know if there's a ceremony or not. All he's saying is, in the same way that a husband and a wife have an absolutely unique relationship that nobody else in the world gets to join into. It is higher than, better than, more wonderful than, and more intimate than what anybody else gets to have with them. It's when a husband or a groom says to a woman, above all other women, I choose you. And I put you in my life in this place of honor as my wife. It's when a, a woman says to a man, of all other men in the world, I choose you to honor. I choose you to be the closest relationship in my life. Remember, forsaking my mother and my father and the two shall be one. And all scripture saying in this moment is, is that you and I, the church, you and I who are Christians in eternity will enjoy a unique, honoring, intimate relationship with Jesus that ready, None of the Old Testament saints are going to experience. Nobody who lives after the tribulation is going to experience. Only the church, only Christians are going to experience. And to help you understand a little bit, you need to understand Jewish weddings. So here's what happened in a Jewish wedding. It's a little bit different than our culture. In a Jewish wedding, the groom would go to the home of the bride uh, he would go there to meet the family. He would go there to talk up to their dad about the open willingness to become married. And then they would agree on a bride price. Uh, he would pay the bride price and that would seal the contract. He would then go home. He would go home to begin to build a house for his wife. It was usually on his parents' property. He would build another home for them to move into uh, once they were married. Then he would come back for his bride. That's when the wedding would happen. And after the wedding, he would take her home. Think about what Jesus did for us. He came to our home, he negotiated and paid a bride price when he died on the cross. He then went to his home. Remember what he said to his disciples? In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you, I am going and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be also. He went to prepare the home for you and me. He said he would come back. Remember what we talked about? The rapture. When he comes to steal his bride out of this world and take you and I back to heaven. And scripture says that all of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, because we are the bride of Christ, will have forever and eternity a unique relationship with him that nobody else who's ever lived outside of the church will experience which is why it's so surprising to me when I hear Christians criticizing the church. 
Now, look, 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 it's, it's one thing to be honest, and I'm not going to tell you the church doesn't have flaws. I'm just telling you as a Christian, you shouldn't be throwing rocks at the church because if you're throwing rocks at the church, you're throwing rocks at yourself. And if you're throwing rocks at the church, you're throwing rocks at the bride. And I'm just going to tell you as a husband, you throw rocks at my bride, you're going to pay for it. And I'm just telling you, Jesus loves his bride even more than I do. So why in the world would Christians ever throw rocks at the church? Why not just make the church better? Okay, third event in heaven. First is, we all stand at the Bema seat. Second is, we get married in the bride, as the bride of Christ. And then finally, event number three is the second coming of Jesus. Okay, so uh, at the end of the tribulation, that's not a crooked goalpost. That's, that's the seven years of the tribulation. Okay, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes in the second coming. Okay, it's when he comes back to earth. Let me read the passage for you. It's right there in Revelation chapter 19. Um, some of you are gonna be surprised as I read this. Some of you are gonna be sad as I read this. Hang on, hang on, hang on until we can unpack it together. Okay, Revelation chapter 19. This is the passage that talks about the return of Jesus Christ, the second coming. Here's what it says. Uh, Revelation 19, uh, starting in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. Who's that? It's gotta be Jesus. Whose rider was faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are blazing like fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on uh, him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dripped with blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him. When Jesus comes back in the second coming, you and I come with him. Matter of fact, scripture talks about you and I coming with white robes on. Why white? Because they've been washed in the blood of the lamb. And it's also possible that angels come with us. The armies of heaven come with Jesus when he returns. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come gather together for the great supper of God. And I'm just gonna say to you guys, it's gonna be a little bit tongue in cheek because this is not a supper that any of us would wanna go to. Here's what it says. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals and the mighty, of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. And then I saw the beast, Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies united against together to wage war against the rider on the horse. So remember we talked last week about the battle of Armageddon and that people are gonna become dissatisfied with Antichrist and, and all the armies of the world are gonna come together to get their little piece of the world and they're gonna converge at a place called Medigo, the battle of Armageddon. And in the middle of the battle of Armageddon, Jesus comes back. And you wanna hear something crazy? They hate Jesus more than they hate each other and they will literally turn their tanks. They will send their planes to fight against him. Is that remarkable?
verse 20, but the beast was captured and with it, the, the beast Antichrist, and with him the false prophet that performed signs on his behalf. And with these signs, he had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. And I know, I know some are going, whoa, 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 what happened to happy Jesus? You know, what, what happened to the Jesus when he ran into the prostitute said, who condemns you? I don't condemn you anymore. Remember what we said? We said God's first foot is always a foot of love and grace and kindness and patience. But don't forget that there's a second foot. And that God at this moment just says, okay, I've tried. I've tried everything I know to try. I've done everything I can to get you to repent, to get you, and, and we're just done. We're done. And so now you're gonna receive what you asked for. Think about this. How many people reject God by saying, hey, if God's so good and God's so loving, how come he lets bad things happen to good people? How come he lets evil people get away with things and nothing ever happens to them? And isn't it true, even as Christians in our lives, we've, we've said that, hey, how come, how come that person who was so wrong, so unjust, was allowed to do that in my life? You ready? Because God's first foot forward is a foot of kindness and grace and patience, even for evil people. That he would give them margin, that he would give them time to say, look, 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 I'm not gonna do to you what you deserve to have done to you, I'm gonna hope in this moment of goodness and kindness that you pause a moment and that you would repent. And if you decide to hold in contempt my kindness, well, then I have a second foot and I'll spank. But you need to know that second foot also includes justice. And so everything that you've broken and everything evil that you do, I'm gonna make it right. I'm gonna take the one you wounded and restore. I'm gonna take the thing that you damaged and I'm gonna heal it. See, this, this is justice. It's the thing that you and I have pleaded for. It's the thing the world has asked of God and he will. And he would basically say, look, the best thing you can do when God has been good and kind to you before that second foot comes is repent. Repent, because if I repent while God is still being good and kind, it actually changes the second foot. It changes the discipline. It changes how God responds to me. Every one of us in this room who is a Christian, we know that. We know that because we responded to the goodness of God, we're not gonna face the justice of God. We're not gonna get what we deserved. But there will come for those who continue to push God away, a moment when he says, enough's enough. There are some of us in this room and you have spent your lifetime despising the goodness of God. You have pushed him away and pushed and said, I don't want God. I want to run my own life. I want to do my own. And here's what you need to just hear me say. And guys, I'm not saying this to be a turkey or a jerk or mean. I'm doing this out of absolute love and care. If you despise the goodness of God, don't be surprised when you find the discipline of God. And it's possible that the discipline of God is actually an act of love in your life. 
I had, my son was growing up and he, uh, he went away to school and he, he wasn't following Jesus very well. And I knew that next for him was probably who he was going to marry. They were probably going to pop a couple of kids out. And I was terrified if he didn't get his heart right with God. Praise God he did. But what if God is looking at your life and he says, you know what, the next thing for you, if you keep pushing, the next thing is divorce. The, the next thing is kids who resent you the rest of your life because of what you did to their mom or to their dad. See, the next thing for you is called jail. The next thing for you is a decision that will cause nothing but heartache and regret to your grave. And I'm willing to spank you if it keeps you from that pain. What if the discipline of God is actually a loving hand to save you from yourself? Because what you do on this earth matters a whole bunch in heaven. And Christians, what you do on this earth matters a whole lot in heaven. And I'm just wondering today, what if there was a church that so understood the conversation we've had today that they began to say to themselves, I wonder what I would, could do to take the good things that God has done in me and move them to things that really matter. What if a whole community of Christ followers did that? I wonder how different heaven would be. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we, we just want to thank you today for your goodness, and we want to thank you for your kindness, your grace to us that we haven't received what we actually deserved. But God, the reality is for most of us who call you Lord, we, we thought if, if I just live a good life, if I just accumulate a whole bunch of good things in my life, well, then that's a successful life. And what we've discovered today is it's possible to do a whole lot of good and miss out on doing things that truly matter for eternity, that matter for people to see our Jesus and matter for you to be able to stand and applaud and say, that's exactly how I hoped you'd live your life. God, I just pray that this church, that these people who would be people who would live for something greater than good, we would live for that which matters. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So much good stuff in that. If you want someone to agree with you in prayer on anything going on in your life, maybe even something that you heard today, uh, our prayer team's gonna be down here. If you're watching online, you can text the word prayer to 21999. We believe in the power of prayer here at Cornerstone. So take advantage of that. God bless you guys. We'll see you back here.